نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah From the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger I'd like to begin this evening in this lecture number 33 from the sharh or explanation of kitab al-tawheed al-lazhi huwa haqqullah ala al-abid by al-imam Muhammad ابن عبد الوهاب ابن سليمان التميمي النجدي رحمه الله In this chapter the Imam رحمه الله he has discussed that which he entitled باب من أطاع العلماء والأمراء في تحريم ما أحل الله أو تحليل ما حرمه الله فقد اتخذهم أربابا من دون الله من أطاع العلماء والأمراء Whoever obeyed the ulama, the scholars, the people of knowledge and the umara, the people of authority who have authority over the Muslims and their affairs Whoever obeyed them في تحريم ما أحل الله in the prohibition, whoever obeyed them in what they have prohibited from what Allah has allowed and in what they made unlawful of those things that Allah made lawful or تحليل ما حرم الله or that they made lawful from what Allah has prohibited from what Allah has made unlawful and in that which Allah made lawful from amongst those lawful things they forbid them, they prohibited them and from amongst those things that Allah has prohibited and made forbidden, they have made them lawful. Whoever obeys them in that, and this is important because the obedience to the ulama and to the umara, to the scholars and to the people in authority is required. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya yuhalladina amanu, Allah, wa rasul, wa amri minkum. And the scholars of tafsir said that ulil amri minkum, obey Allah and obey the messenger, and those in authority from amongst you, it means the ulama and the umara, the scholars and the people of authority. However, obedience to them is subject to obedience to Allah and His Messenger. And that's why Allah said that if you differ in any matter, then refer to Allah and His Messenger. That is, if you differ in any matter in reference to what they have ordered you to do, the scholars and the people in authority, فَرُدُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولُ Then refer to Allah and His Messenger. 
If indeed you believe in Allah in the last day. Here, Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah has indicated in this title whoever obeys the scholars and those in authority and what they have prohibited from what Allah has made lawful or what they have made lawful from what Allah has prohibited فَقَدْ اِتَّقَذَهُمْ أَرْبَابًا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ Then indeed whoever has done so then they have taken them they have made them they have put them in the position as though they are أَرْبَاب يعني أَرْبَاب is the plural of Rabb and Rabb it means the Lord the Creator the one who controls the affairs However, here the meaning of Rabb is not limited to that meaning, but it is extended to the meaning of Ilah. Whoever has taken them, Arbaban, as Aliha, as Aliha, then he said, they have, yani besides Allah, then whoever has obeyed them, they have taken them as God besides Allah, as Lord besides Allah, meaning God besides Allah, because they have given them the position not only of Rububiyyah, as is obvious in the expression Arbab, but also the position of Uluhiyyah. Because, as we know from the scholars of the people of Sunnah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the argument so many places in the Quran against those who recognize that Allah is the Rabb. That this requires of them to worship Him alone then. If He is the only Creator and the one who controls life and death, then it is a necessity that He should alone be the one who is worshipped. And therefore, here in this ayat and similar ayats to this, the meaning of Rabb, it is Ilah. Whoever has obeyed them, they have taken them as a God besides Allah. Because they have given them that which belongs to Allah alone. And here, the ibadah that is given to them, and the reason why they, it is said that they have taken them as a God besides Allah, is because they have obeyed them in that which is the right of Allah alone. Yani the making of halal and making of haram. It is only the right of Allah alone. And therefore this obedience, obedience to them in this matter, it is ibadah. And as we said on other occasions, that as shirk, the major forms of shirk, as some of the scholars said, are four. Are four. Shirk in al-niyyah, in intentions, and shirk in al-dua, supplication, and shirk in al-muhabba, love and shirk in ta'a, obedience. So this is one of the major areas that the people have fallen into of shirk. It is obedience of others besides Allah in that which is the right of Allah alone. And here the meaning of obeying them, it is in reference to making lawful and unlawful. Otherwise, obeying them is a requirement. Following them and taking advice from them, from the scholars, and obeying those in authority, as long as it's not in disobedience to Allah, is a right of those in authority unless they order us to do that which Allah has prohibited and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said لا طاعة للمخلوق أو لمخلوق في معصية الخالق there is no obedience to a created being in disobedience to the creator in this chapter though it is brief and he only mentions three Evidences concerning this or saying it encompasses a very important topic and from amongst the issues 
that needs to be clarified as we begin to discuss this topic is that obedience to the scholars and obedience to the to the rulers in disobedience to Allah indeed it is shirk they have taken them as a rabb or as a ilah in place of Allah or instead of Allah or besides Allah and this shirk is shirk akbar that takes a person out of Islam and if a person dies in that condition they die as a mushrik who will be in the hellfire eternally this is a very important issue and because of that at least we must mention briefly the issue of a takfir takfir that as we discuss this issue and we realize that the hukum shari'i the legal ruling in Islam is that a person who falls into major shirk that takes somebody out of Islam if they die in that condition without repenting then they would be in the hellfire forever we also have to keep in mind the issue of takfir that in making takfir on individuals takfir al-mu'ayyan specifically that there are rules and there are guidelines and we shouldn't jump to the conclusion if we see somebody saying something if we hear somebody saying something or see them doing something which is an act of kufr or shirk then we shouldn't proceed to pronounce that person as being a kafir and at least in brief in summary some of the scholars of the people of sunnah they have said that in making the declaration of disbelief upon a particular specific individual then there are two matters that have to be observed the first of them is establishing the fact that the act or the speech that the person has fallen into that it is indeed something that is classified as kufr and we have to be sure that that which they have said is really kufr or that which they have done is really kufr and the second thing is that we have to be sure that the condition of declaring somebody a kafir are applicable to that person and their circumstances and of the most important conditions that are required to be fulfilled before declaring the kufr of an individual is that the person is knowledgeable that they know that the thing that they have said or done is actually kufr if they didn't know then it they should be told it should be explained to them so that they would have a chance to turn back from what they have done or what they have said this topic is a lengthy topic and we discussed it in detail in some of the other books previously however yani just in passing we need to note that the issue of takfir is a dangerous issue and we shouldn't be hasty and be of those who declare the kufr of any individual though the speech that they said might be kufr and the action that they did might be kufr however there are conditions and there are prohibitive factors that prohibit kufr even when the conditions are fulfilled such as a person for example who was compelled to do something if they were compelled to do something even though they knew that what they are doing is kufr then this is a prohibitive factor prohibit the declaring of the kufr of that person because they did it out of compulsion in any case this is a lengthy discussion and this is just a passing note that we should be aware of al-imam muhammad ibn abdul wahhab rahimahullah in this chapter heading that whoever obeys the scholars and the rulers in the prohibition of what Allah has made lawful or the making lawful of what Allah has prohibited then they have taken them as lords besides Allah as god besides Allah yani they have made them as a god besides Allah and that they have given them the right to make lawful or unlawful which is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone this title 
is similar to that which may be understood from the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَقَالُوا رَبَّنَا إِنَّا أَطَعْنَا فَادَتَنَا وَكُبَرَاءَنَا فَأَضَلُّ السَّبِيلَ That the disbelievers, they said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they would say, O oh, our Lord, that we obeyed our honored people and our rulers, those in authority, the great people amongst us, or the important people amongst us, we obeyed them and they led us astray. They took us off the correct path. And this, in this chapter, Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah is pointing to the meaning of this ayat, that obedience to the rulers and the people of status and distinction, if it is in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, indeed it leads one astray. And it may be the cause of them falling into kufr and shirk, and therefore it's a dangerous matter. In the first, statement that the Imam mentions is the saying of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. Qala ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, yushiku an tanzila alaykum hijaratun min as-sama. Aqulu qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa taquluna qala Abu Bakr wa Umar. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, one of the great scholars of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam radiallahu anhum ajma'in he said these words in warning as a warning to those who he felt was in a great danger that it is near or it is close to happening it may be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send down upon you will rain down upon you stones Yani destruction, that he may bring destruction upon you. Send down stones from the sky for those who are in this condition. That if I said to you, Qala Rasulullah that the Messenger of Allah has said something in a particular matter or issue, then you respond by saying, But Abu Bakr and Umar have said such and such and so and so. Radiallahu anhumah. Of course, no doubt, we don't expect, and it is not likely, that the likes of Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, or Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, that they would oppose that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have ruled in any matter. However, indeed, if we would reject the saying of Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhumah, if it is in contradiction to what the Messenger of Allah sallallahu have said, then what about those who are less than them? What about those who are less than them? Yani the, those from amongst Sahaba who are less than Abu Bakr and Umar, and they are the best of this Ummah after the Prophet sallallahu Then what about the Sahaba who are less than them? What about the Tabi'een who came after them? What about the Imam and the scholars who came in the later generations? If indeed we would reject the saying of Abu Bakr and Umar, radiallahu anhuma, then indeed we must reject the saying of anyone anyone, if it is in contradiction to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have said. And though Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab hasn't mentioned here this saying, but there's also a saying of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu where he said, لَيْسَ أَحَدٌ إِلَّا يُؤْخَذُ مِنْ قَوْلِهِ وَيَضَعَ غَيْرَ النَّبِيِّ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam That there's no one, no one Except that we might take from what he says. Yani something of what he says. We might accept it. 
and we will also leave what he says. We will accept some of what he says and we will reject what, some of what he says. There's no one except that this is their condition. That we will not accept everything of what anyone says. But we will accept some of what they said and we will also reject some of what they said except the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He is the only one who we accept all of what he has said. Because what he has said is his revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Shaykh says in the general meaning of this, Athar of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he said that when we know that Atar, obedience, is a type of ibadah, and it is not correct that it be given to any one of the creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala independently, yani that somebody should be obeyed independent of Allah and his messenger, but in fact we only obey them whether they are the rulers or the scholars if what they have called us to do is in accordance with what Allah and his messenger have ruled when we know that atar is a type of ibadah worship which is not correct to be given to anyone independently except if it is in accordance with obedience to Allah and his messenger in light of that Abdul bin Abbas rejected and censured those who gave precedence to the opinion of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and Umar radiallahu anhu in the matter of the rights of Hajj. Yani, those who gave precedence to their opinion over what has been narrated, what Abdul ibn Abbas have narrated from the Messenger of Allah Muhammad wasallam, then he has warned them of the anger and the displeasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his near punishment. This issue was the issue of whether or not it is preferable to join the Umrah with Hajj in one journey, the Matsurah. And it was the opinion of Abu Bakr and Umar that it was preferable to make Al-Ifrad, Hajj alone, to make a separate journey for Hajj and a separate journey for Umrah. And Abdul ibn Abbas was warning those who gave preference to the opinion of Abu Bakr and Umar over what he has narrated from the Prophet ﷺ, contradicting their position or their opinion. He warned them of the anger of Allah and his displeasure and his near punishment. And this statement of Abdul ibn Abbas, it is in reference to those who gave precedence to the opinion of Abu Bakr and Umar. And they are who they are, Abu Bakr and Umar, the first two Khalifas and the best of this Ummah and the virtues that we know of them. So what about those who give preference to the opinion of somebody other than them? Preference to that opinion over the, that which is in the book of Allah and the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa Then he mentions three benefits of fawaid from this effort of Abdul ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah. The first of them is clarification of the excellence and the virtue of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah and the meticulousness or the yani, meticulousness, I don't know what other word to use, of his understanding. Yani, how Abdul ibn Abbas was yani, understanding even the finest points of every matter. The second of them is that we should not give attention to the opinion of anyone which is in contradiction to the book that is Al-Quran and the Sunnah no matter where that opinion came from, no matter what is the source of that opinion, no matter who is the source of that opinion, we don't give any consideration to the opinion of anyone that is in contradiction to the book and the sunnah. Of course, this is in those matters where the Qur'an or where the sunnah is clear in its indicating of a particular ruling. Not those matters 
which there's room for ijtihad, and it might be understood in one way or another. In that case, of course, the understanding of the scholars would be given preference over our understanding of the ayah or the hadith. But in that which an ayah or hadith is clear about its ruling, then the opinion of anyone, whoever they may be, whatever their status, which is clearly in contradiction to that, it should not be accepted. Number three, the obligation of being angry or expressing anger, anger for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yani, anger for the sake of Allah, it means that a person should be angered uh, when we see something or someone opposing or contradicting that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have ruled. The relationship of this statement to the chapter under discussion at Tawheed is that this statement, it indicates to us that the opinion of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah is that it is prohibited, it is haram to give precedence to the opinion of any of the creatures, any human being over the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, he considered it haram because it is a form of shirk. Yani it is a form of shirk in ta'a. Yani it is a way, a manner that someone, if they give preference to the opinion of any human being over that which has been legislated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or His Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and they obey them instead of obeying Allah and His Messenger, then they have fallen into shirk. They have joined someone as a partner and equal or a share with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the obedience that belongs to him alone. And the second statement that the Imam Rahimahullah mentions is the saying of Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal Rahimahullah Ajibtu liqawmin arafu al-isnada wa sihatuhu yadhabuna ila ra'yi sufyan and Imam Ahmed rahimahullah, said that I am astonished or amazed at a people who know Al-Isnad. They know the Isnad, the chain of narration for a hadith. A hadith has come to them and they are aware of its chain of narrative. And that it is authentic. They know the chain and they know the chain is authentic. In, meaning that they know that this statement it is indeed a statement of the Messenger of Allah wasallam, And even in spite of that, they take the opinion, for example, he gives as an example the opinion of Sufyan. Sufyan, here he is referring to Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah, one of the great scholars from amongst the early generations of the Muslims, who was a scholar in Sikh and in Hadith, and indeed he had followers who followed his madhab, and even though that madhab is not widespread today and it is not well known, and it is not one of those madhabs that has and he continued to spread amongst the people. Indeed, the knowledge and the position, the status of Al-Iman Sufyan al-Thawri uh, is well known, his status amongst the Ahl al-Ilm, the people of knowledge. And therefore, Al-Iman Ahmed has given him as an example that he is amazed that people will know about the chain of narration of a hadith and that it is authentic and yet they will take the opinion of Sufyan. And he over the ruling of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, that came in a hadith. And then Imam Ahmed, he mentions as a proof for his position 
والله تعالى يقول ذاتين الله سبحانه وتعالى فليحذر الذين يخالفون عن امره so beware or be warned يعني a person should fear those who oppose the matter or the command امره it means the command of the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم فليحذر الذين يخالفون عن امره they should beware those who oppose the command his command the command of the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم ان تصيبهم فتنه that they may be afflicted by a fitna, a trial or affliction. أو يصيبهم عذاب أليم or they will be afflicted by a terrible punishment. And many of the scholars of Tafsir said that the fitna that they would be afflicted with is a fitna that affects the heart. That their heart would be affected and they may be afflicted with kufr, disbelief. Or they may be afflicted with shirk. Or they may be afflicted, affected or afflicted by nifaq, hypocrisy or by falling into bid'ah, innovation. And they should fear that if they contradict the command of the Messenger of Allah, then they may be punished by Allah. And that punishment is that their heart will be affected by falling into kufr or shirk or hypocrisy, nifaq or innovation. Or يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Or they may be afflicted by a terrible punishment, and that might be in this life or in the next life. In this life it may be by being punished by those in authority for their disobedience and contradiction of the law of Allah or it might be by imprisonment or it might be by being killed or it may be in the next life that is the punishment of the hellfire after mentioning this ayah from Surah An-Nur verse 63 Imam Ahmed rahimahullah said At-Tadri ma al-fitna do you know what is al-fitna al-fitna to al-shirku he said that al-fitna it is a-shirk and Imam Ahmed rahimahullah they held the opinion that the fitna in this ayat means that they will fall into shirk. And here, it is in line with the topic that we are discussing, the shirk or the kufr of al-ta'a, yani obeying other than Allah and His Messenger, the one who contradicts the command of the Messenger of Allah and obeys or follows something other than that, then they have made, they have given their obedience yani to other than the one who is entitled to it. And therefore they have fallen into shirk. Al-fitna to a shirk. لَعَلَّهُ إِذَا رَدَّ بَعْدَ قَوْلِهِ It is, and perhaps it may happen that whoever rejects something from his saying, the saying of the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم, أَنْ يَقْعَ فِي قَلْبِهِ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الزَّيْغِ فَيَحْلِكْ That he might be affected. And his heart may be affected. أَنْ يَقْعَ فِي قَلْبِهِ شَيْءٌ That something may afflict his heart of الزَّيْغِ deviation. Deviation, and as a result of that deviation, uh, he would be destroyed. This saying of Imam Ahmed rahimahullah has been reported from him by Al Fadl ibn Ziyad and Abu Talib. The Shaykh says concerning this effort that in this statement, Imam Ahmed rahimahullah has rejected or he has repudiated. Those who abandon the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, after its authenticity and the clarity of its meaning has come to them. After it, they came to know that that hadith is sahih and they came to know the meaning of it and yet they reject, they abandon the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, for the saying of someone other than him. And after it became clear to them 
And Imam Ahmed is saying, how can somebody know the authenticity of the hadith and understand its meaning and then take the, the opinion of Sufyan, a Sauri, or any of the great scholars of Islam if that opinion is in contradiction to what the Messenger of Allah وسلم, has ruled? Especially when we know that those other than the Messenger of Allah وسلم, that they are not infallible, yani that they are subject to error. And therefore, he warns that such people who do so may fall into deviation as they that they may deviate as a result of this as a punishment from Allah for rejecting the sunnah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam if they reject the book of Allah or the sunnah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam indeed, indeed they will be subject to deviate and fall into deviation and here he says the sheikh says sheikh Muhammad Abdul Aziz Al Qarawi he says and the reason for this is because those who are fanatical followers of their madhab often they change or they take a word and change its meaning take it out of its place to give it another meaning or they claim that something has been abrogated that has not been abrogated in order to adhere to the madhab or in order to adhere to the opinion of their madhab and Imam Ahmed rahimahullah has uh, used as a proof for his opinion in this matter, the ayah that he mentioned, that is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they should beware and they should fear those who oppose his command, the command of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and the Quran is sufficient as a proof and as an evidence. Uh, the Shaykh mentions here three benefits from this effort for this statement the first of them is that the opinion of Imam Ahmed rahimahullah his opinion in this issue is that it is haram it is prohibited to abandon the sunnah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu for the opinion of any one of the human beings whoever they may be number two yani that it is prohibited prohibited that one takes the opinion of another human being while it is in contradiction to the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and how often have we found those who are fanatical followers of the Madahid or of their Mashaykh, their Shaykhs especially the Mashaykh of Sufiya, the Sufi peoples and their leaders opposing the clear indications of the Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu for the opinions of their Madhab or their sect or their group or their leader the second point is that the original ruling concerning a commandment is that it indicates something being obligatory. The original ruling is that when there is a command that it indicates that something is obligatory as long as there is no other proof which makes us to understand that in this case it is not wajib but that it is mustahab. Yani if there is no proof transferring the indication of that command from being obligatory to being mustahab, commendable or praiseworthy, then it, the original ruling is that whenever there is a command in the Quran or in the Sunnah it indicates that the thing which we are commanded with is obligatory. And the third point he mentioned is that whoever turns away from the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their turning away from Allah's legislation would be a cause of their destruction in this world and in the next. In the relationship of this statement to the chapter under discussion and the general topic of a tawheed is that this effort of Imam Ahmed rahimahullah uh, makes us to know that whoever turns away or abandons the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah to the opinion of someone else 
then that person has given that given the one whose opinion they have taken they have given them a position of sharing sharing in the obedience that belongs to and first and foremost Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then he has ordered us to obey his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it is a form of shirk shirk and ta'a in obedience because that obedience is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he has ordered us to obey his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whoever disobeys Allah and his messenger in order to obey other than them then they have fallen into shirk shirk and ta'a and Imam Ahmed has given as a proof for his position in this matter the ayat that he has mentioned Similar to the statement of Imam Ahmed rahimahullah is the statement of Imam Malik rahimahullah ma minna illa radun wa mardudun alayhi illa sahibu hadha al-qabr that Imam Malik in various narrations of similar meaning he has said that there is no one from amongst us except that he rejects or he is rejected yani what a, a scholar says it may be that which we accept or that which we reject and there is no one that is exempt from this except sahibu hadha al-qabr that is the one who is buried in this grave and Imam Malik rahimahullah was pointing to the grave of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam as he was teaching in the masjid of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his grave was at his side similar is the statement of al-imam al-shafi'i rahimahullah in which he said ajma'u al-ulama على أن من استبانت له سنة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لم يكن له يضعها لقول أحد. That the scholars they have reached a consensus or إجماع on the fact that whenever a sunnah of the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم has become clear to someone and they came to know it clearly, then it is not their right to leave it for the saying of anyone else besides him. The last evidence that the Imam Rahimahullah mentions in this chapter it is the hadith of Adi ibn Hatim رضي الله عنه أنه سمع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقرأ هذه الآية that Adi ibn Hatim رضي الله عنه he heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم reading this ayah in Surah Tawbah chapter 9 verse 31 اتخذوا أحبارهم ورحبانهم أربابا من دون الله والمسيح ابن مريم يعني that they meaning the Christians and Jews that they have taken their rabbis and their monks they have taken their religious scholars and they have taken those عباد يعني those who are devoting themselves to the worship of Allah alone because of their knowledge and because of their worship they had taken them as arbaban min dunillah they have taken them as lords besides Allah and they have put them in the position that they worship them by giving them a type of worship that belongs to Allah alone that is ta'a obedience they have taken them as arbaban meaning they have taken them as aliha as gods besides Allah because they have worshiped them by giving them the obedience that belongs to Allah alone and likewise similarly they have taken al-masih ibn maryam that is the Messiah, Isa, the son of Mary, of Mary, alayhi salam, they have taken him likewise as a Lord or as a God besides Allah. وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا And they have not been commanded 
Yani they have done so while they have not been commanded except to worship one God. Liya'budu It means liyuahidu That they have been ordered, they have not been ordered except to single out one God for the worship alone. La ilaha illa huwa There is nothing that should be worshipped except him. Subhanahu amma yushrikun And he is high above and far removed from whatever they have associated with him as partners. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is high above those who they have associated with him as partners and he is far removed from that which they associate with him. فَقُلْتُ لَهُ That is Adi رضي الله عنه He said when the Prophet ﷺ recited this ayat he understood that the Christians and Jews he was a Christian previously he understood that this ayat meant that the Christians took their religious scholars and their monks that they took them as God besides Allah meaning as Arbaban, as Lord besides Allah, God besides Allah, that they worship them by making prostration to them, or bowing to them, or doing acts of worship that are commonly considered as worship. And so he said to the Prophet ﷺ, in a way of questioning, he said, Inna lasna na'buduhum. He said, verily, we didn't worship them. We didn't worship them. And the proof that the meaning here, the meaning here of taking them as Arbaban, it is Aliha, Yani that which is worshipped is Adi ibn Hatim. He understood that the ayat taking them as Lord besides Allah it meant worshipping them, and that's why he said, "Inna lasna na'buduhum." We didn't worship them. We didn't used to worship them. He understood that the meaning of the ayat was that they worshipped them, and he said, "No, we didn't worship them." And the Prophet ﷺ confirmed his understanding that the meaning of Arbab and here it means alihad, means worship of them. However, the worship that he was thinking is not the worship that is meant in this ayah. Now the worship that is meant in this ayah as the Prophet ﷺ explained to him is a ta'a. It is not sujood or ruku' but it is ta'a. And so the Prophet ﷺ explained to him أَلَيْسَ يُحَرِّمُونَ مَا أَحَلَّ اللَّهِ فَتُحَرِّمُونَهُ Isn't it so that they make haram, that they declare to be forbidden what Allah has made halal and then consequently as a result of that you also declare to be haram yani when they have made something forbidden that Allah has made lawful isn't it so that you then take their opinion their legislation and then you make it haram even though Allah made it halal وَيُحِلُّونَ مَا حَرَّمَ اللَّهِ فَتُحِلُّونَهُ and they make lawful what Allah has forbidden and then as a result of their ruling you make it lawful you consider it as lawful according to their ruling as though they are the legislator as though they have the right of legislation that belongs to Allah alone and you obey them instead of obeying Allah فَقُلْتُ بَلَى then he said رضي الله عنه indeed it is so yes we have done so قَالَ يعني رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم then said to him فَتِلْقَى إِبَادَتُهُمْ then indeed this is their worship this is the worship of them it is in obeying them his worship a ta'a in obeying them in legislation obedience to them in making lawful or unlawful not general obedience but obedience in legislation in declaring something lawful or unlawful which is contrary to what Allah who is the true legislator has legislated and the Shaykh says Imam Muhammad al says it is narrated by At-Tirmidhi who declared it to be Hassan in some of the uh, transcripts or in some of the books in some of the copies of the Sunan of Al-Tirmidhi he said that that hadith is Hassan Gharib Gharib the, the Imam says here Hassanahu while in some of the copies it said he said the hadith is Hassan Gharib 
which means that it came through a single chain of narration, and at least in one of the levels there is only a single narrator, and this normally indicates a weakness of the hadith. However, as we have indicated here in the discussion of the sources of that hadith, that it is at least Hassan. The Shaykh Qarawi, Hafidahullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, says the general meaning of this hadith is that Adi ibn Hatim radiallahu anhu when he heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reading this ayat اتخذوا أهبارهم ورحبانهم أربابا من دون الله that they have taken their rabbis and their monks as lords besides Allah he asked from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to clarify يعني his question was a denial of this but it also was a question to the Prophet to clarify. He was denying the ibadah or the worship of the Christians, worship of their scholars or their monks, and the worship of Al-Masih, the Messiah, thinking that the ibadah was limited to ar-ruku'a, yani bowing or sujood, prostration or getting near to them by sacrificing to them, and so on. He thought that al-ibadah was limited to those things. Then the Prophet ﷺ informed him that obedience to them in the making lawful of what, or in the making unlawful of what Allah has allowed, or making lawful what Allah has prohibited, then this is the worship of them. It is a form of worship. And it is like obeying them in the place where obedience belongs to Allah alone is worship of them. And that is because they have made them as partners with Allah, in obedience and in legislation. The Shaykh mentioned seven benefits from this hadith. The first of them is clarification of the misguidance of the rabbis and the monks, and that indeed they had gone astray. Number two, confirmation of the shirk of the Yahud and the Nasara, that indeed they fell into shirk in more than one way. And this is one of the shirk that they, one of the types of shirk that they fell into was obeying they are religious leaders. Number three, that the origin of the deen, of the messengers, it is one. And that origin it is Tawheed. Yani the origin of all of the messengers who came is the same source, the same origin. It is the foundation. It is Tawheed. Number four, that obedience to a created being and disobedience to the creator, it is ibadah to that created being. And that's because the Prophet ﷺ said that there is no ibadah, or there is no obedience to the created being and disobedience to the Creator. So whoever does so, then they have given them a type of worship. Number five, the obligation of seeking clarification from the people of knowledge about those things or that thing whose ruling is unclear to us, is hidden or not clear or distinct. Yani whenever there is a ruling about a matter, the ruling about uh, a thing is not clear to us, then it is obligatory, obligatory to seek clarification from the Ahlul Ilm, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us in the Qur'an, فَسَلُوا أَهْلُ ذِكْرٍ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ You are ordered then to ask the Ahlul Dhikr, the ulama, the scholars, the people of knowledge, if you don't know. Number six, the eagerness of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ to seek knowledge, as Adi ibn Hatim, uh, tried to bring out the correct ruling of this matter from the Prophet ﷺ when he understood it a different way. Number seven, 
the, that a taqlid or blind following is considered to be a blameworthy thing from those who are able to make ijtihad yani the one who is able to go to the sources and, and read the, the source the Quran or the Sunnah then it is a blameworthy thing that they should blindly follow their scholars or their teachers in that which they say without examining the evidences if those evidences are available to them the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion in Tawheed is that this hadith indicates that the shirk that one of the types of shirk is obedience to the scholars and that shirk is in obeying them in their prohibition of what Allah has made lawful or in their making lawful what Allah has prohibited the Masail that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah is mentioned at the end of the chapter of five the first of them is the tafsir of Ayat al-Nur, the explanation of the Ayat in Surah al-Nur, chapter 24, uh, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the warning, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ That he warns those who oppose his command, the command of the Prophet ﷺ, that an affliction, a fitna may befall them, and if their heart may be corrupted with kufr or shirk or nifaq or fall into innovation or they may be afflicted by terrible punishment in this world or in the next life and in this world that they may be punished or imprisoned or killed and in the next life they will be punished by the hellfire the second, in- ish- uh, the second issue that he mentions is tafsir ayatul bara'a that is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala اتخذوا أحبارهم ورهبانهم أربابا من دون الله that they have taken that is the people of the book the Christians and Jews have taken their scholars and their monks as lords besides Allah as gods besides Allah in that they have obeyed them that obedience that belongs to Allah alone that is in obeying, obeying them in that which they have legislated of the lawful the unlawful in contradiction to what Allah has legislated number three uh, clarification or bring, calling attention to the meaning of al-ibadah that was denied by Adi ibn, ibn, Adi, Adi ibn Hatim radiallahu anhu the meaning of ibadah that he denied it is the ibadah of Prashtu
Anhu, he was denying that they used to bow or prostrate to the religious scholars when in fact the meaning of the ayah it was that they used to obey them in what they have legislated as lawful and unlawful in contradiction to what Allah has legislated. The fourth issue is the example that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma has given in mentioning Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and Umar radiallahu anhu and the example that Imam Ahmed has given in mentioning Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahullah yani that obedience or following the opinion of such great personalities is not allowed in contradiction to following that which is clearly indicated in the Sharia, in the Quran or in the Sunnah. Whatever may be the status of those personalities, it is not allowed to obey them in disobedience to that which came in the Quran and Sunnah. The last issue, the fifth issue, is the saying of Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah, the transformation of the condition, yani the changing of the condition of the people till it reached the extent that most of the people hold that the worship of the Ruhban, the monks, it is the best of deeds and it is called Al-Wilaya, sainthood. And if the people reach to this point that the worship of the monks, yani obedience to them because of their status as being worshippers of bad, that they consider this to be the best of deeds and it is called al-wilaya. And likewise the worship of the ahbar, the scholars, their scholars, here al-ilm al-fiqh, yani it is due to their knowledge and their understanding. He said it reached this point that the people began to give their obedience to them instead of giving it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala due to their worship or due to their knowledge. Then the condition transformed to a worse condition till it reached the point where others besides Allah who were not even of the righteous, yani they were not even like the Ruhban, the Ubbad, the worshippers. They were not even like them. And even worship was given to them. And the other type of worship to the other group, that is the scholars, it, the, the people transformed. Their condition changed until it reached the position where they used to worship or give obedience even to those who had no knowledge. And this is what we see today, that the people are worshipping those who are not even righteous, especially in the circles of the Sufis. They worship their leaders, their sheikhs, even though they are often unrighteous, wicked, immoral, corrupt people. And we find amongst the Muslims today that they are obeying those who don't have any knowledge at all in disobedience to Allah and His Messenger. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Saleh al-Uthaymin rahimahullah in discussing this, he mentions a long discussion, however the essence of what he has said is that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah has discussed in this point the condition of the people who used to worship Allah and obey Allah and His Messenger alone. Their condition changed over the time until people began to worship and meaning obey others besides Allah and other than the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But at that time they used to worship people because they were worshippers, because they were giving worship to Allah. 
or because they were scholars, because they were knowledgeable of the deen of Allah. And then the condition worsened. It became even worse than that until people who had no knowledge and people who were not even worshippers of Allah, they were also obeyed instead of Allah and His Messenger wasallam. Uh, this is the end of what we wanted to mention. However, just quickly, any that has been called? Not yet? Alhamdulillah. Uh, just quickly, there's an important comment that is mentioned in the Sharh of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih rahimahullah concerning the condition of those who obey the leaders or the scholars in that which they make lawful or in that which they prohibit. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah said concerning this ayah that they take their rabbis and their monks as lords besides Allah. He said concerning this that they are those who take their scholars and they take their worshippers as lords besides Allah, those who are worshipping Allah excessively. They take them as lords besides Allah, meaning that they obey them in what they have made lawful from what Allah has prohibited, or what they have prohibited from what Allah has made lawful. And he said these people are two types. And this is the important point, that not all of those who accept what their rulers or their scholars have made lawful in contradiction to what Allah has prohibited. Not all of them are the same, but they are two types. The first of them are those who know that their scholars or their rulers have changed the deen of Allah. And they follow them in that which they have changed of the deen of Allah. They follow them. Yani they obey them in what they have changed, knowing that they have changed the deen of Allah. And they believe. They believe in the lawfulness of what Allah has prohibited. And in the prohibition of what Allah has made lawful due to their following their leaders. Yani they believe, اعتقادًا They believe in their heart that what Allah has prohibited is lawful because their leaders have made it lawful. And what Allah has made lawful, it is prohibited because their leaders have prohibited it. And we find this today. There are people who consider, for example, polygamy as being prohibited because some governments have prohibited it or some ignorant scholars have prohibited it. And some people have have believed that interest is halal because some ignorant scholars or, or deviant, deviant scholars or rulers have made it lawful in their lands. Those who believe that it is really lawful yani that what Allah has prohibited is really lawful and what Allah has made lawful is really prohibited because they are following their leaders while they know that it is in contradiction to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then this is kufr. It is kufr. It is major shirk that takes a person out of Islam. Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, فَهَذَا كُفْرٌ فَهَذَا كُفْرٌ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger have made it shirk. They have declared it to be shirk. It's not only kufr, but it is shirk. Even though they didn't pray to them, and even though they didn't prostrate to them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has declared this as a type of shirk. Therefore, He said, whoever follows someone else, in contradiction to the deen, in contradiction to what Allah has legislated, believing what that one has said, in contradiction 
to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his messenger has said when such a one is a mushrik he is a mushrik like those who are mentioned in this ayat from amongst the Christians and Jews yani those who know that they have changed the deen of Allah and they follow what they have changed instead of what Allah has legislated knowing that it is in contradiction to what Allah has legislated and believe in their heart that what Allah has made lawful is halal because of their leaders or what Allah has made halal is prohibited because of their leaders he said this is kufr and it is shirk and they are mushrik the second group are those whose belief and their faith in terms of the prohibition of the halal or the allowance of the haram is firm yani they don't change they don't believe that there is really a change in what Allah has legislated because of what their leaders have changed they don't believe that there is a change but they obey them in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani their obedience to their leaders or their rulers is an act of disobedience ma'afiyah not that they believe that that thing is really lawful or that thing is unlawful but they obey them while they know that what they are doing is wrong they obey them as an act of disobedience just as any Muslim who does what he does of disobedience just like every Muslim who commits a sin knows that what he is doing is sinful and he disobeys Allah in it their disobedience is like that it is ma'afiyah he said the ruling concerning these is the ruling like the ahl dhunub the people who commit sins yani it is not kufr but they are sinners and this is what has been confirmed in the Sahih from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he said innama ta'a fil ma'roof that obedience is in that which is known and that which is good so this is important yani distinction that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah has made the difference between those who obey their rulers in that which they have declared to be lawful though Allah has prohibited it those who believe that it is really lawful though Allah has prohibited that is kufr and shirk and those who know that it is prohibited because Allah prohibited it even though their leaders or their rulers have allowed it they know that it is not so but they obey them then it is an act of disobedience as long as they don't believe that that thing is really lawful or unlawful according to the way it has been ruled by their scholars Adhan has been called. Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa tubu ilayk. If there are any questions from the brothers, there are a few questions from the sisters. I will try to read them. And then if the brothers have any questions, inshallah you can ask. Or any comments or any corrections. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The sunnah was clear in the matter in which Abu Bakr and Umar radiyallahu anhuma contradicted regarding hajj. That is joining it or not. We've discussed obedience to someone in contradiction to obedience to Allah and His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that the ruling classifies as shirk or shirk akbar, as shirk akbar. What then is the ruling of those whose opinion contradicts Allah and His Messenger? Uh, and how was it that the opinion of Abu Bakr and Umar contradicted the command of Allah's Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? How? Please explain. Did they know, did they not know the authenticity of the hadith regarding hajj? And in brief, to answer this question, the first thing we have to keep in mind that the chapter under discussion is not a chapter of fiqh. We are not discussing fiqh, but we are discussing our atiqad, our aqidah. The aqidah that we are discussing, the point of aqidah that we are discussing here 
is that a person knowingly obeys an opinion or follows an opinion or a ruling that contradicts the Quran and the Sunnah that this is, if they do it knowingly, while knowing that uh, evidence that came from the Quran and Sunnah and understanding its meaning they contradict it by following someone else's opinion then this is what we are talking about however this issue that is mentioned here the reason for the statement of Ibn Abbas here radiallahu anhuma it is related to a matter of fiqh the question is about a matter of fiqh this question is about a matter of fiqh indeed the difference of opinion concerning this matter is a lengthy discussion those who held that al-ifrad is better in hajj to make hajj alone or those who held that Quran is better joining the Hajj al-Umrah in one ihram or those who held that tamattu it is better making Hajj al-Umrah in one journey but in separate ihram yani making the Umrah and then getting out of ihram and then on the 8th of Dhul Hijjah returning to the state of ihram to perform the Hajj these three different types of Hajj are all permissible however the Muslim scholars from the early days as indicated here from the time of Sahaba radiallahu anhumajma'in differed about what was preferable and, some of the, and each of the scholars have evidence for what they have said and they are authentic hadith supporting their opinions and this matter requires a lengthy discussion some of the scholars like Ibn Qayyim in Zad al-Ma'ad have discussed this issue and the differences of opinion about it in a lengthy discussion that maybe covers 60 or 70 pages and the evidences of each opinion and the, any, the end result of all of this is that what we want to say here is that difference of opinion in that matter where there is room for difference where there is evidence for the opinion that they have taken they have not taken an opinion just based on their desires or their feelings but they have taken their opinion based on evidence then the, the, the difference of opinion in this matter is open and it is allowed in the matters of fiqh however in the matter of aqidah this is the point that we are discussing there is no allowance for it this is the point where someone falls into kufr when they know clearly what the Prophet ﷺ have said in this matter and then they hold an opinion that contradicts it. Obviously, Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhumah did not hold the opinion that they held in contradiction to what the Prophet ﷺ have ruled in this matter. Yani knowing that he has ruled in this matter and understanding what he has ruled and then contradicting him, that's not possible. And that is why, and that is why Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has given this effort as a proof in this matter to show that even if such as Abu Bakr and Umar, if we would not accept their opinion, those who would never contradict the opinion of the Prophet ﷺ knowingly and willingly if we will not accept their opinion in contradiction to the book and the sunnah then what about those who are less than them or those who came after them so I hope that the question and is answered in my statement here that in the matters of fiqh there is room for difference of opinion and their opinion in this matter is based on evidence however what is not allowed is that somebody knowingly willfully holds an opinion or, or makes a ruling that clearly contradicts the Quran or the Sunnah in a matter about which there is no room for difference of opinion. Is there any other comments or any questions? In any case, are Muslims or non-Muslims, or adults or children, whatever is in the law of Allah as lawful, then it is lawful, and whatever is unlawful is unlawful. 
if the Sharia of Allah has allowed something to the non-Muslim that it has not allowed to the Muslims, then we may allow it for them. And if it has prohibited for everyone, then it is prohibited for everyone. Is it clear? Jazakallah khair. In any case, that hadith has been, or that statement, and that is according to the translator, according to his limited knowledge. But indeed, it has been reported by Imam Ahmed in the Musnad with a authentic chain of narration. So those who held, if he read the opinion of someone who held that it was weak, then that is their opinion. But as we have mentioned on many occasions, there are many narrations or reports that have come to us that the scholars have differed about. Especially those reports which there is difference of opinion about some of its narrators. Some of them holding a narrator to be reliable and some holding him to be unreliable. So there may be difference of opinion about it, but indeed it has been authentically reported. And uh, yani that's what I know, that it has been reported authentically by Imam Ahmed and the Muslims. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم